Desperation and fatigue has set in aboard the Second Chance. Although everyone is alive, the ship is still flying. Things are not going well from a mental and physical standpoint. Morale aboard the Second Chance is low. Even the usually cheery chance is subdued when talking with Nakora and Petra, and Tinker is rarely seen outside of his engineering room, always assuming that the worst is going to happen. Upon exiting from the drift at the next location, Nakora and the rest of the crew are happy that there's nothing here. Just a lonely star surrounded by lonely planets with nothing at all going on. During the couple of hours it takes to recharge the E-Drive, Nakora and Petra are able to at least get a little bit of shut-eye, while Tinker, who appears to never really sleep at all, is down below in the cargo container, tinkering away on Subject Alpha. Someday, Nakora, you're gonna get me killed, Petra says, looking up into Nakora's eyes as he finishes applying some bandages and ointments to the various bruises and small cuts across her body. That one was really close. I knew you wouldn't leave me behind, but she kind of trails off. Nakora puts a hand softly on her shoulder. We're a crew now, Petra, and from what I can gather, all of us are closer together than you ever were with your family. As far as my family's concerned, he trails off a little bit. Well, never really knew him much. My dad, well, let's just say he left when I was too young to even know him. And my ma died young. So young. Nakora's hand slips off Petra's shoulder, and she turns around and looks at the bruise up on his head. Well, looks like all of us are a little bit beat up, Nakora. None of us had it easy. We're just a ship full of misfits. However, she steals her eyes. We have things we need to get done. Don't forget about the promise you made to me. Nakora simply nods his head. And let me take a look at that scrape on the side of your head. I'm not surprised our gravitational fields couldn't keep up with that wild flying you were doing. I'm surprised Tinker managed to make it. Nakora lets out a chuckle and... That old bat probably had himself strapped into his bed taking a snooze. Petra laughs a little bit, weakly smiling, grabbing at her bruised ribs as she does so. You know, Nakora, she says, looking back up at him. I think I might have an idea of what we can do about this. What was his name? That's right, Creed, you said. Nakora nods back to her, raising an eyebrow slightly. Perhaps we might be able to create a copy of some of the memory data left within that abominable intelligence you have in the hold. Just enough to trick him into thinking it's the actual memory core, but not enough for him to have, well, I guess I can't assume what he intends to do with this information, but there's a reason why we don't have AI anymore, Nakora. You know the stories as well as I do, whether they're true or false. That thing we have down there, well, it could be the most dangerous weapon in the entire forge. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Roll. As always, I am your host, player, and GM, Hero Cities. First off, let me wish you all a Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. Hopefully during this time, you and your family and friends were able to get together and enjoy whatever festivities you partake in and that everyone was healthy and happy. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to listen to the One Guy, One Roll podcast. 
as we continue to follow the adventures and story of Nikora Sokolov and the other crew members aboard the Second Chance. I don't know if it's a milestone or not, but this is going to be episode 30 of the podcast Technically episode 32 with our two session zeros, but I never have done any kind of solo role playing for this long. And I think part of that reason I keep coming back and playing it is because of the podcast itself. If you find yourself struggling to get motivated to do any kind of solo RPG stuff, I tried journaling before and made it five episodes, I think. I tried just recording myself talking, and it just felt pointless. However, sitting down, recording something for people to listen to, even if, like me, when you first started, you really don't think that anybody's going to give a crap, you might be surprised. With hundreds of people listening to every episode, it simply amazes me the support I've been able to find for this podcast, and when I started it earlier this year, I had no idea this would be possible. Thank you to everyone who listens and tunes in to the podcast. I really appreciate all y'all and your support, and I will absolutely be continuing to create more content going forward into 2023. Last episode was probably the most dangerous episode we've had yet. The closest we've come to the destruction of the Second Chance and the death of Nakora. As I've mentioned a couple of times before, if that happens, that's the end of Ironsworn Starforged for us. The podcast will not end, but we're going to move on to a new system with new character, a whole new story, so do not worry about that. If the dice spell death for us, we're going to follow what the dice say. No bailouts, no deus ex machina, that'll be it. Just wanted to remind everybody of that as we go forward, especially with things not looking so good for the second chance. Anyways, last episode, our crew encountered something that they've never seen before. A strange satellite made of this dark, almost opaque crystal orbiting an ice world that was carved up with deep trenches that looked like scars. At first, this strange satellite was simply changing its shape into different geometric configurations, which completely defies any sense of physics or logic. However, once the distant star of this system came around the edge of the planet and its light struck this strange satellite, it seemed to get absorbed inside, charging some crystal inside of this structure, absorbing this light, and eventually maintaining a pyramidal structure, the tip of it opened up, disgorging a powerful laser. Through Nakora's skillful maneuvering of the second chance and Petra's daring leap and even Tinker being able to throw together an improvised explosive device using one of the batteries from the Skiff Fatty, our little crew was able to successfully destroy the death laser with minimal amount of damage to themselves and the second chance itself. However, we are low on supplies, we are low on spirit, and the second chance is barely holding together. We had some damn lucky rolls last episode. If we hadn't, we would be doing episode zero of a new season. Despite the near-death situation last episode, the second chance is currently on its way to reaching Osseus, where the 
strange, almost occult-like figure known as Creed is based, who we are trying to return the memory core from Subject Alpha to, which was our initial way back when in Episode Zero. That was our kind of initial vow. We currently have six boxes filled on our challenge to reach Osseus, one of which I filled with the little introduction we had between Nakora and Petra, which does remind me, we are going to use the Hearten move because of that little moment of intimacy the two of them had together. So we're going to roll plus heart. Our heart is one. We rolled a six on our action dice, giving us, sorry, a five on our action dice, giving us a six. And we rolled a seven and a five on our challenge dice. Weak hit. You find companionship or comfort and your spirit is strengthened. We take plus two spirit. However, since it was a weak hit, we lose momentum due to an interruption, complication, or inner conflict. In this case, I think it's the realization that even though they kind of have a plan to trick Creed, they don't have anything solid. They don't have the materials in order to create any kind of fake hard drive or memory core to give to Creed, and they just don't really know what to do from here. It's kind of going to be in Tinker's hands because neither Petra or Nakora are inclined really towards computer engineering or any kind of engineering to even begin with. So our momentum does drop down to six. And since we're now in a new scene, I think last episode was extremely chaotic. Really didn't feel like we were in control at all, so our chaos factor is going to go up to seven. Other than that, of course, we do have our two clocks to roll on that are always counting down in the background. I think they're both 50-50. So we got a yes and a no. So without further ado and our introduction out of the way, let's get into it. At this point in our expedition, Nakora is attempting to avoid any other potential dangerous encounters. So, as we move to undertake our expedition, we do so with vigilance. With our wits of three, we rolled a four on our action dice, which gives us a seven, and a one and a nine on our challenge dice. This allows us to mark two boxes on our track, which gives us eight. However, we have to endure the wear and tear of the arduous journey with one suffer move at minus two or two suffer moves at minus one or we have to face some sort of peril upon our arrival. I think before we deal with the outcome of that, let's see where exactly we are. Descriptor plus focus. We rolled a two, abundant, 28, enclosure, abundant enclosure. I wonder, is this on a planet? I think it's likely. 18 is a yes, so what kind of planet? 74 is an ocean world. Abundant enclosure. Abundant enclosure. What kind of star does it orbit? 28, a glowing orange star, so like our sun, I guess. Although ours might be more of a burning yellow star, but regardless, it's not out of the ordinary. Let's get a little idea of what's going on here. 55, marginal atmosphere. 97, multiple settlements. 22, diverse life. And one more thing. Large moon and strong tides. Okay, 
I have a pretty good idea about what this place is. Although used to it by now, it's always a little discomforting exiting in and out of drift space. It's a place that makes you feel like you don't belong. It's a place that's not restive. It's a place that defies natural law and is generally uncomfortable. The lurching, the groaning, the stress it puts on not only a ship, but also the inhabitants of the ship is monumental, especially a ship as battered as the second chance. Finally exiting, transiting back into real space, they are greeted with the bluest planet any of them have ever seen. Reasonably warmed by a relatively close orange star is a ball of the brightest blue orbited by a massive moon. This moon is, is nearly half the size of the planet itself. It's stunningly beautiful. The moon and the planet undergoing their eternal dance through the inky darkness of space. As they drop out of the drift, Nakora sits there for a moment, looking out at this scene. Do you ever see anything like this before, Petra? He says, glancing down at Petra, who occupies her normal position in the cockpit. She simply shakes her head. It's like a giant blue pearl. It's nearly perfect. I don't see even a strip of land down there, Nakora. I suspect it might just be another uninhabited ball. I suppose you might be right, Petra, Nakora says, sighing. I'm not sure how anybody could. Nakora gets cut off by chance. Sir, detecting an incoming transmission, would you like me to play it? Nakora kind of glances down at Petra, raises an eyebrow. Go ahead, Chance. There's some static at first. Unidentified vessel. This is Chuo Control. Please identify yourself and state your intentions. There's a long silence as Nakora appears a little surprised that there's actually someone on this planet. The voice starts again. I repeat myself one more time. Unidentified space vessel. This is Chuo Control. Please state your name and intentions or we will be forced to take action. Nakora reaches down to the console in front of him and pushes a button. Uh, Chu Chuwato Control. Uh, this is Nakora on board the Second Chance. We just did a blind jump and ended up here. We do you have any? We don't know where this is. Nakora admits. However, we are desperately in need of supplies and perhaps even some repairs. It's been a long journey to get here. There's silence on the other side of the conversation for a long moment. Petra kind of looks back up at Nakora with a little bit of concern on her face. We performed a cursory inspection of your ship using what we can. Disable your weapons, and you've been granted landing access to Chuo Baseport. Be advised that upon landing, you are authorizing a search of your ship as per our custom. Welcome to IOA. Be advised, this world may be beautiful, but it is also hostile. We'll fill you in when you arrive. And with that, the line goes dead. Nakora looks a little concerned. An inspection, he says. I don't think we have anything illegal on board, but he looks towards the ladder leading down into the lower portions of the ship. What do you think they'll think about Subject Alpha? We don't know anything about this. He stops for a second. Chance, do you have anything in your databases about Chuo, I think he said, and Aoi, or Awu, or something like that? Searching, 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 
Sir, I have searched my databases and I am unable to acquire information about the Maui other than that it is registered as an independent planet, not subject to guild taxes or nobility. Beyond that, it is listed as hazardous due to a natural phenomena known as the tsunami. Suwadi? Nakora says. Looks down at Petra, who simply shrugs. Uh, Suwadi again, Chance? I believe it is pronounced tsunami, sir. Can you define tsunami, Petra says? Ma'am, definition of that word does not exist within my databases. However, cross-referencing old sources has led me to big wave. Petra sighs. Well, Nakora, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? That is a great question, because we still need to roll to figure out what costs we're going to pay from our undertaking an expedition. We are going to take a minus one to our spirit, bringing us down to two. And we will take a hit to our supply, which will bring us down to zero. Looking at the gauges in front of him, Nakora frowns. It appears as though, Petra, we don't have much of a choice. We are out of fuel. Almost seemingly like he heard his name or something. A voice chimes in over the speakers. Hey, boss, uh, looks to me like I sure hope we got something good going on out here because I don't think we have enough fuel for another jump. Maybe I could scrape enough together, but it ain't going to be pretty. Hearing the voice of Tinker coming over the speakers, Nakora shrugs looking at Petra and calms down to Tinker. Don't worry, Tinker. We've arrived at a place that has granted us landing access to one of their, I don't know what it is exactly, cities, maybe, settlements, whatever. Just be prepared for anything. Oh, and throw a sheet or try and hide Subject Alpha if you wouldn't mind. Sounds like we might be having an inspection on board. Hearing the affirmative reply from Tinker down below, Nakora prepares the second chance for arrival down to the strange water world known as Aoi. It isn't until they begin to descend through the thin but still marginally breathable atmosphere of this world that they notice some distinctive features that were unrecognizable from orbit. Scattered across a rather large portion of the planet are dozens of these little domed settlements, seemingly isolated from the elements. These enclosed habitations might be capable of housing a dozen or so, maybe a few dozen individuals. However, one of them, which can be assumed to be Chuo, is much larger than the others and is complete with a docking pad that appears to almost float on the surface of the water down below the settlement. These settlements are strange to Nakora. They appear almost like an inverted teardrop. A very long and relatively narrow base descending into the unknown depths of this world. And at the top is a flat-ish platform with a large dome over the top of it, made of some unknown material. Down near the base of these stalks where it meets the water, which is, of course, wavy and is moving, are these docks that appear to be floating on the surface of the water. Presumably, there's some sort of access point into the structure from these docks to ride up and down the shaft of these very odd structures. 
Even more so odd and terrifying is a strange ridge that appears way out on the horizon, rising dozens, no, hundreds, maybe even thousands of meters high, a seemingly impenetrable, encroaching wall of blue. Looking out as they begin the docking procedure at Chuo, the Korra looks wide-eyed at it. Petra, do you see what I see? Petra nods. Death, Nakora. That's what I see. We need to get out of here as soon as possible. But why isn't anybody worried about it? Nakora asks. When we talked to... I don't understand. He never mentioned... There was no concern. Petra doesn't have an answer and merely shrugs. Chance, Nakora suddenly speaks up. Can you pick up that wall coming this way off of what remains of our aspects? Although we are currently many months overdue on maintenance, I can, in fact, see the wall of water coming this way. And can you estimate when it will impact this structure? Calculating. 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 Sir, I estimate that it'll impact our area in approximately 35 hours and 27 minutes. Nakora puts his head in his hands. We can never get a break, can we? He grumbles. All right, we got about three days. Let's make them count. There appears to be only one other ship that is currently on the landing platform as they approach and settle on down to the oddly stable yet still very slightly moving platform. The other ship that's here is actually relatively similar to the Second Chance, although the box it's carrying is quite a bit different than the one that's on the Second Chance. Lowering the boarding ramp out of the front end of the bottom of the ship, Nakora and Petra are greeted by three individuals, two of whom are armed and one who appears to be in charge. He quickly introduces himself as the harbor master of the Chuo docks and with a voice that commands little chance of disagreement, asks permission to come aboard and search the vessel for any contraband. Having little choice otherwise, Nakora grants access. Now, the big question is, were they able to hide Subject Alpha? And how good is this guy at his job? Let's go to Une, our universal NPC generator, and get a modifier for this fellow. 55 is elderly, and a 71 is inconsiderate. This older man who is probably pretty close to retirement age, maybe in his 60s, moves a hand forward and the two armed individuals start searching the second chance. Given the roll we made, I'm going to give it unlikely they're going to find Subject Alpha. 89 is extreme no. So the two men search the second chance and find nothing. No guns, which are stowed away. No subject alpha. Nothing that would raise any alarms at all. They come back out maybe 10 minutes later and tell the harbor master that all is clear. This warms his attitude slightly towards Nakora and the rest of the crew of the second chance. Now, Nakora would always have his shotgun at his hip. However, there's a strict rule of no weapons allowed within Chuo. So he is currently unarmed, Petra's unarmed, and of course, so is Tinker, who never really has a weapon on him. Although the air is breathable on this platform outside, it's definitely thin. 
it be like being up on top of a mountain here and merely walking across the surface of the landing platform is enough to have Nakor huffing and puffing a little bit. Although relatively terse with his words and not overly forthcoming, as Nikora and Petra make their way up the long elevator inside the stem of this strange structure, they learn that the wall of water is in fact called a tsunami and that it arrives for about a month every year, covering all of the different settlements on Aoi. This strange phenomena is caused by the massive moon orbiting overhead. It orbits slowly, but predictably. The spaceport will shut down in two days and will be more or less deconstructed and folded into Chuo itself. There's no place for spaceships during this time, so they have to be gone in a couple of days. Do they learn anything else useful from this guy? Let's take our... NPC binary response from Une. He's cautious and he's neutral towards our crew. We rolled an 82, so he's neutral. From this, I don't think they're able to get any real additional information about this place, besides the fact that they are not aligned with any of the guilds or a noble house which is rather unusual for a place like this given that clearly there's some sort of export market here once they reach the top of the elevator the door from the elevator opens up sunlight washes over nakora petra and the harbor master as does the sounds of people talking and going about their business This place is densely packed. There are people everywhere, but no one's pushing, shoving, or interfering with anyone else. It just kind of moves about in an orderly yet chaotic fashion. Meanwhile, up above, the domed ceiling of the settlement lets in an abundance of natural light, keeping it relatively warm despite the rather chilly temperatures outside. Besides the hustle and bustle of individuals before them, Terraced throughout this dome, kind of like the flower dome in Singapore, are plants and vegetables and who knows what other kinds of things growing within this space. The whole thing feels rather idyllic and very unlike any other settlements we've seen yet. Seemingly used to people being awestruck by the site, the harbor master quickly dismisses himself and reaffirms the fact that they must be gone in two days. As he scuttles off to do his own business, Petra and Nakora set off into the dense crowds of this place. Although unaccustomed to this, they get a little jostled and get in people's way and get shot dirty looks. However, no one bothers them, and everybody seems to more or less ignore them as they go about with their daily tasks. Reaching the edge of the structure, Nakora and Petra look out over the stunning blue waters of this planet. I think I understand what's going on here, says Petra. When that, what do they call it, tsunami, tsunami, whatever, hits, this whole thing gets submerged under the water. It must be a magnificent sight. One thing I can't figure out, though she says in a bit of a whisper, is why it hasn't been taken over by one of the corporations or one of the noble houses. Something is different here. It doesn't make sense. 
Nakora simply shrugs and looks out the window at the encroaching massive wave. We're not here to solve a mystery, Petra. We ain't going to get very far without some fuel and some provisions. We need to restock and get the hell out of here before that wave comes. I ain't looking to be stuck here for a month or longer. And you heard what the harbor master said. Two days. We have two days, Petra. Looking back up at him with a little bit of concern on her face, our episode fades to black. Thank you, thank you so much for listening to the One Guy, One Roll podcast. I had a good time making this episode. It was a little less action-filled. Weren't that many rolls, but it was pretty fun creating this strange, dome-like, water world structure. If you want to take a look at an inspiration I had for it, check out the Flower Dome in Singapore and really just the entirety of the Gardens at the Bay, which is in Singapore. It's really cool and quite a remarkable place to visit. But we were driven here primarily by our oracle rolls, which are definitely a strong point of Iron Sworn Star Forged. As a side note, I also finally received my hardbound copy of Iron Sworn Star Forged, which I kickstarted a while ago. Much like the other Iron Sworn books, build quality is extremely high. In fact, it might even be better with Iron Sworn Star Forged because it comes with two ribbons inside as well. It's the same size and blends in really well with the other Iron Sworn books if you own those. And I highly recommend it as a purchase, and mine even came with the PDF versions, so win-win all around. As y'all know, I do have a Patreon over on patreon.com slash roll. If you're interested in helping to support the podcast and help me keep upgraded with my equipment and continue to pay off this new computer... Go give it a check out if you get a chance. In the new year, I am planning on doing a little work to upgrade the Patreon itself. So keep on checking it out to see what new features get added. And of course, I would like to give an extra special thank you to our newest Patreon member, Journeyman Stefan. Thank you so much for signing up and supporting this podcast. And of course, a continued thank you to Journeyman JL and Journeyman Wes. You guys continue to be absolutely awesome. And of course, the biggest thank you goes out to all y'all that continue to download and listen to the podcast itself. I'm now past the break-even point for the monthly ongoing cost for the podcast, so at this rate, we are officially never going to have ads on this podcast. That was my goal from the beginning, and with your generous support and continued listening, that wish has become a reality. Thank you. And with all of that out of the way, we will bring 2022 to a close. As always, I've been your host, player and GM Hero Cities. I hope y'all had a wonderful holiday and have a happy new year. I'll see you in 2023. Have a great day and stay safe out there, y'all.